Hey there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five tenets of journalism, who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode two, where Lindsay interviews me. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, so let's dive right in. Uh, Who are you, Katie Williams? Uh, I'm Katie Williams. <laughs> I'm a 49-year-old uh, cisgendered white woman. I live in Milwaukee, and um, I have identified as poly for about a year, although I've identified as ethically non-monogamous off and on since my early 20s. All right. Uh, and, well, you already answered our question of how you identify. Are there any other labels you... Um, you attribute to like your poly life or your orientation or sexuality? Uh, yes, actually. Mm-hmm. I do identify as queer. Uh, I was married for more than 10 years to another woman, and uh, I'm also a parent, and that's a big part of my identity. I'm not sure what else to say on that question. Uh, well, when it comes to your poly life, uh, I believe you identify as like solo polyamorous, right? Ah, yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that more in the next question, no, but sure. <laughs> uh, or some of the other questions, but mm-hmm. yes. Uh, so I do identify as solo poly, and um, for me, what that means is um, I really like my life with my kids and um, don't plan to um, introduce another adult into my living situation or you know, that sort of level of family type of responsibility. Um, I'm very interested in having relationships and I'm not excluding those relationships from, you know, involving my children in some ways, but not in a co-parenting kind of way. Would you say that you are are non-hierarchical except for with your children? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, actually. (laughs) That makes sense. Uh, So what drew you to polyamory? Um, The first time that I ever... And was in a poly relationship. I was in my early 20s, and I would not have described that as an ethically non-monogamous relationship. Uh, I dated a couple, and they had a lot of rules, and um, I was really new to things, and so I sort of said, okay, I'm kind of fascinated by this. I will participate in this relationship under your rules. And over time, um, some of the rules began to really grate on me, and so I sought to negotiate some of the rules that they had and the relationship blew up as a result. Um, and at that point then I was like, forget it. This is not for me. This is too hard. I am, you know, I'm going to go back to being monogamous. Um, but yeah, and I was monogamous in my marriage, but it really over time came to feel like not the right fit again. And I've been divorced for almost five years. I dated someone monogamishly, Uh, after my divorce. And what I really saw was that people who identify as monogamous or monogamish um, wanted that kind of, okay, let's move in together. Let's blend families, you know, whether in the context of legal marriage or not, we're looking for something that's very different from what I was looking for. And it was hurtful to them and hurtful to me. And I thought, well, this is not going to work. And if I'm going to have relationships with people, maybe I should be looking for people who already know that they don't want that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And actually then I uh, sat down to uh, close friends of mine who I knew to be Polly and said, I need a vocabulary lesson. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, so at this moment, like what does Polly mean to you? How would you define it? Um, that's a great question. I think for me, Polly is about developing sexual and romantic relationships that are meaningful, but not necessarily, certainly not exclusive and not necessarily intended to last forever. You know, I, I sort of, I really like the Dan Savage kind of a relationship can be a successful relationship, even, even though it ends. And not to say I'm planning on ending any of my relationships, but sometimes I might enter into a relationship that I know is not a relationship that I think is, you know, going to be a long-term relationship, but I might still be very much interested in being in it now or in a short to medium term. And um, I like that that feels totally within the realm of okay, that, you know, I don't feel like anybody thinks we're on a, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together track because that sort of, that escalator um, is really not an option. And I feel like that really frees people up to be more focused on what does this relationship look like now and into the foreseeable future. For listeners that might not already know, can you explain what an escalator is in a relationship? Um, I wish I could remember the name of the <laughs> author of the book. It might have been Elizabeth Sheff. It might have been. She's she's a very prolific poly writer, so I think it is. Okay. But, but if it's we'll not, double I'll, check. I will double check. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That'll be yeah. in the show notes. Yes, yeah. Um, but there's a, uh, a terrific book that describes sort of the idea of the relationship escalator, where we have this sort of social training to think like you date someone, and then you get serious, and then you become exclusive, and then you get engaged, and then you get married, and then you have babies, and you know, yada, 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 yada. And there's sort of a social acceptance of the idea that any relationship that doesn't that that falls off of that model at any point has been a failure and if you are going to be poly you really have to let go of that because you can't have that with all the people that you might be involved with. even legally you just right. can't have the escalator <laughs> right. with, with many people yes exactly so, definitely uh well when when do you think you knew you were poly? I don't know if you ever felt like you had poly inclinations even before you were married or, or years ago, or did you only really feel poly within the past couple of years? Well, that's an interesting question because there's definitely, I've done a lot of looking back at, you know, old journals and stuff, even from when I was ridiculously young. <laughs> and like the seeds are very obviously there. Mm -hmm. Um but they were not really conscious until probably the last few years. Sure. Um, you know, it's funny. I had a relationship in high school where um, we both were very openly involved with each other and also dating other people. And we pretended that we should, you know, like there was no need to talk about this. And... I never thought of it as a romantic relationship, even though it was a very close and sexual friendship. And some years later, uh, 
another friend of mine and I were going to go to this person's wedding. And my other friend said, oh, you know, Eric is so excited that he's going to have, whatever, seven ex-girlfriends at his wedding. Mm -hmm. And I went through my mental list, and I could only come up with six. And I was like, okay, I can come up with six, but who's the seventh? And she was like, well, who are you thinking of? And I rattled off the six, and she was like, uh, hello, (laughs) you. I was like, I was never his girlfriend. What are you talking about? (laughs) We didn't date. And she's like, uh, yeah, you did. So I had a pretty willful blind side to seeing that I was act, like I was clearly actively engaged in a polyamorous relationship mm-hmm. um, for I don't know exactly even how long because I was in such willful denial in high school, but let's say a year, mm-hmm. um, probably longer. Interesting. That's funny. Yeah, I would definitely I could definitely see back in journals of when I was in high school uh, and I did not date in high school at all because I was just very like against it. But um where there were definitely poly leanings, even just with, like, my crushes. You know, I'd have, like, multiple crushes and have, like, this fantasy life of living with all of them. Yeah, my fantasy life definitely involved being actively in sexual relationships Mm -hmm. with multiple people. And I didn't even know the word polyamory until probably uh, uh, almost the end of college. You know, like, it just wasn't... It's very much a more popular thing now. You know, you see BuzzFeed videos on Facebook about it, but uh, even just in right. 2005. Or, um, yeah, even uh, articles in Teen Vogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is so yeah. awesome. And I'm, I'm so happy that it's becoming more of a commonplace uh, household word. But yeah, definitely even just uh, 10, 15 years ago, I never had heard the word before. Um, or even non-monogamy. I had yeah. never heard that term before. I don't remember when I first heard it. I don't think, I think even when I went to that wedding, um, I, and I don't think that they were monogamous at the time that they got married, but I don't think that was anything that we talked, like anybody talked about really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had heard, I had definitely heard for most of my life, the term swinger and kind right. of had a, a sort of knowledge of what that meant. Uh, and then also like polygamists, like mm-hmm. I knew what polygamists were. Right. Uh, and that was never attractive to me because it was always based in religion and I was very atheist <laughs> like right. for all of my life. I've just been very atheist. So, uh, all well, of and the religions that seem to support that definitely don't seem to support it in an egalitarian way. No. And that's, and that's what I wanted. So I was like, I want multiple partners. I don't want to just be a sister wife, right. <laughs> you know? So we did kind of cover this, but do you feel like even with your like sexual identity, when did you start feeling different from other people around you? Um, I don't think I ever didn't feel different. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, there might have been across different ways of looking at the world or, you know, different demographic uh, points, but I, I have no memory of not feeling like the weird kid. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely same. <laughs> and I think that opens up a lot of freedom when you are older because... You already know that the standard script is not going to be a good fit. And so, you know, you've got to find your own path somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a little bit liberating. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So where in your poly journey would you say you are now? Um, where am I in my poly journey? I, I have this wonderful life with my kids. Um, and that is great. I have uh, one relationship that is someone I consider a partner, um, that, I mean, I do consider a very long-term relationship. 
uh, and a very close relationship with uh, both my partner and uh, his wife and uh, other partner. And they know the kids. Like, we started out friends, and so there's definitely no kind of backing that out. Um, you know, there's sort of all the post-divorce when you have kids advice of don't introduce new people for at least six months. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if you've already introduced the new people because they started out as your friends, then that's a different conversation. I'm actively dating. I have another newish relationship that, um, you know, I'm feeling excited about and we'll see what happens. Um, it's someone who is new to ethical non-monogamy. Um, I'm not sure that he's super clear about how he identifies right now, um, but definitely interested in the conversation and not in a traditional monogamous escalatory relationship. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm very happy with the way that my life is right now. Um, I have, I'm basically a single mother. Um, my ex does have the kids a little bit of time, but I am overwhelmingly the full-time parent. Mm -hmm. And so my time to have active romantic or any other adult relationships is constrained. And I definitely prioritize both romantic relationships and friendships. And I feel like, even though it's sort of like a constantly moving, like I almost feel like a cartoon person on like running on a bunch of tennis balls or running on, you know, logs or something like you could, it could go down at any second, but it's going okay right now. (laughs) So I'd say that's where I am with my poly journey. I would like it to be a little calmer in the future, but there's really no realistic chance of that in the next few years. So, um, you know, your kids are relatively young. Yeah, my kids are grade school age, okay, and yeah. um, and the chances of the there being a change in the custody situation is unlikely in the next few years. So, um, I am out to the kids. That was another thing that I wanted to say here. Um, when I got involved with my partner, who the kids already knew, um, I felt like there was not really an ethical way to not tell them, and. You know, it was sort of an interesting challenge because there's a lot of stuff in that, like, you know, kids don't want to know anything about their parents' sexual or romantic lives, and that is fully appropriate. And I don't want to share any kind of detail at that level with them. But at the same time, they're really observant. And I didn't want them to see the three of us hanging out and see my partner and I sitting a little too close to each other or holding hands or, you know, doing something, some other sort of display of physical affection that is more than friends and thinking that they were seeing something that was unethical or that anybody was cheating or anybody was having a secret that they weren't supposed to know about. Um, And knowing my children, I knew that they would very likely pick it up, pick up on it. Mm -hmm. So earlier on than I might have Otherwise, um, I, you know, made a point of saying like, hey, first of all, we need to have a little vocabulary lesson. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think they understood what poly- yeah. what it yeah, is? Yeah, I think oh, they cool. do. Okay, yeah. great. Um, I mean, it's really not a very difficult concept when it's you think true. about it. Like, you have multiple friends and you can also have multiple really romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, and I framed it in romantic relationship terms because, again, like, you know, they, I didn't want to squick my kids out with yes. thinking about Yes. Um, but they were surprised. They did have questions. Like, they really wanted to make sure that uh, my partner's wife knew and was okay <laughs> and, like, wasn't going to be, like, sad or mad or upset or anything. And, like, they were, you know, very happy to hear that she wasn't and then to kind of see us interact normally even when he was not around like I run into her with the kids periodically just at random in the universe Mm -hmm. and you know for them to see like oh they're still good friends they still stop and chat and hug and like there's not any discomfort or weirdness there so they seem to be pretty accepting of it that's awesome do you have like poly goals for your future I mean, hmm. it's kind of hard to say. I, we always joke that we have, like, you know, that, that goal of one day living in a, you know, poly commune. But, <laughs> but it's not a realistic goal that we're actually right. trying to attain. But do you have any poly goals for the future? Um, I don't know that I have anything I would describe as a poly goal. I do like that sort of fantasy idea. Um, I own a duplex. So mm. <laughs> the yeah. idea of maybe, like, I wouldn't want to live with someone, but maybe I could have someone downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, you know, get people to buy up houses on my block. That sounds mm-hmm. great. Like, yeah. the the idea, I like the idea of being in a community that is that sort of open and relaxed. Yes. And I think we have that a lot, but it's not quite as physically proximate as yeah. would be. Yeah, we're not really living fantastic. in the same village by any yeah. means. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think we have a very accepting and welcoming community, but but yeah, we, we live all over Milwaukee right. and sometimes all over Wisconsin and, you know, Northern Chicago. Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> so, so we're That's kind true. of all over the place. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then we come to our final question, which is simply, uh, why do you feel you are Polly? Why do I feel I am Polly? I feel like I am Polly because having individual autonomy is incredibly important to me in relationships. And I have in the past had a tendency to try to bend over backwards to be what I thought that the person I was dating wanted me to be. And I think that that is incredibly damaging and it's it's unsustainable. It's bad for me. It's bad for the relationship. It's bad for everybody around. And I see Polly as a way to really, and especially solo Polly, um, make sure that I am not over compromising my own needs and health and well being. All right. And uh, one particular thing you said you wanted to talk about. Uh, relating to polyamory are metamors. Can you explain what a metamor is? And then also, what is your passion when it comes to metamors? Um, a metamor is the other partners that your partners have. And uh, I specifically actually wanted to talk about, I love my metamors. As a topic, we had generated an enormous laundry list of potential topics, and that was one of them. And um, I have been incredibly, incredibly fortunate. And again, it probably started with the fact that I was friends with my partner and uh, and his wife before a relationship developed. Uh, but I think that the idea of what is often called kitchen table polyamory, uh, or you know, a relationship where everyone is sufficiently comfortable with 
their partners and their partners, other partners, that running into one another at breakfast in the morning is an occasion to say, hey, can I get you some more coffee? Not an occasional for, occasion for any distress. And um, I just like that idea a lot. Um, I don't know that it's always possible in all relationships. Um, I don't, I, I have one person that I've been dating who I have not met any metamors. Um, and that's fine. Um, I'm not opposed to it. But sometimes logistics just don't work, especially when you have multiple people who are divorced parents uh, in poly relationships together. Finding times to line up all of the adults in one place is um, an incredible logistical challenge. Uh, but I have personally found uh, that it's really wonderful to be able to have close, comfortable friendships with my metamors and... Um, I really enjoy that feeling. I don't know how to tell people to go find it. I feel like maybe I kind of hit the jackpot. But I do think that prioritizing, um, maybe making sure that you meet people and are comfortable with the other important people in their lives relatively early on in a relationship um, has the potential to allow that to happen and to create that possibility. I mean, you aren't going to click and become super close friends with everybody that's not realistic but being available to that possibility feels really important to me i would also say that i'm i'm very privileged to have a a, a good working friendship as well as um just a mutual respect with my metamor um and and it it has been the opposite on occasion and those i don't think that it's um it's a boundary or a necessity or a deal breaker, but oh wow, do the relationships work out so much better when everyone on board is at least friendly and civil? Mm -hmm. Because when it's when it's the opposite, oh it it just forms so much extra work and emotions and processing and and yeah, I do feel very privileged to have that uh, and and very lucky. Yeah, literally this morning, I was about five minutes late coming here today, and it was literally because I was out having breakfast with my partner and my metamor, and we picked a place that had a long line, and mm -hmm. then it took longer than we thought it was going to, and I was like, ah, I gotta go! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, we all enjoy spending time together, um, and she and I enjoy spending time together by ourselves as well. Um, we both had a random, very lucky, like, I don't have anything going on on this Saturday, which is extremely rare for both of us. And we drove down to Chicago and spent the afternoon shopping and hanging out. And we went to a book reading. And I don't think we stopped talking for nine hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's funny, my, my metamor and, and I were actually workout buddies for this entire past year. And it would be funny because she would have a like a date night with my husband. And I was like, well, I already saw her three times this week. You know, like, you know like, I see her more than my husband does. Um, yeah, it's really wonderful to have relationships that are that comfortable and solid. And uh, fellow podcaster, Cunning Minx, she actually has it. Uh, I don't know if it's an explicit boundary, but it's definitely a, a huge preference for her that she has to be on a good basis with her metamors and she is right now uh, as far as uh, the relationship she's in it almost sounds like she has like a like a friendship marriage with her with her partner's wife uh, which sounds wonderful and they all live together and, it's, and it sounds great but she has talked about on her podcast multiple times that she doesn't 
ever want to be in a relationship again because she has before where she is on bad terms with her metamorphs. I think it's even to the point where it's a boundary deal breaker. She, if she's not in good standing with her metamorph, the relationship won't work. And I totally get that as someone who has been in a relationship uh, where either my, my partner doesn't like fully respect or like my husband or, um, or I am not on good terms with my husband's partner, you know, whatever the case may be. I find that if someone doesn't like who I'm with, um, it kind of is, it feels like a reflection on myself because mm -hmm. this is the person I've chosen to live my life with. This person that I feel is a good and decent human being. And if another person can't see that or refuses to see that, then I, I feel it, it reflects on them poorly in my eyes, which I don't know, you know, it's, it's a, it's a strange, it's a strange thing because it hasn't actually happened with Rob, uh, because my husband is, uh, I think generally people see him as a decent human being all around and it's hard not to see that. Uh, but, but it's happened the opposite way where I might be a, a, a little bit too much or a bigger personality than other people are okay with being around. I'm not quite sure where or what happened there, but, um, but I might be too much for some people and I absolutely can see how that could be the case. Do so, you yeah. think that that need or desire or preference varies nesting partner versus partner who is not a nesting partner? Well, that's a good point. Yeah. So oh, we should probably say what nesting partner means. Yeah. Well, um, a partner who you live with, you may have, um, the label of, of husband or wife or other like boyfriend or girlfriend, but is just simply someone who you do live with. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, with my husband, we actually, you know, have a house, we have a mortgage. Right. You have a legal marriage, a which legal is marriage. a big deal mm -hmm. structurally hard yeah. to get, hard to end that relationship. Exactly. And it is, um, and I, I like to talk about how there are unintentional, though we intentionally entered into a marriage, but unintentional hierarchies when it comes to like prioritizing the fact that I have a mortgage with another person and I have a daughter with another person. So there are these like priorities that might not um, mean hierarchy, but they might also kind of have an unintentional hierarchy built in. Right. They have hierarchical that... appearing elements exactly. at a minimum. Right. And I like to say that my, my daughter is my primary. I am my own secondary and everyone else is tertiary, you know, like, so, um, but, so there are definitely like hierarchical elements and because right now my husband is my only relationship, like my only other than maybe casual or just like new relationships that aren't identified yet, mm -hmm. my husband is my only relationship. So when I talk about metamorphs, I'm always talking about like people he's dating, um, or past relationships, but, um, when I talk about people outside uh, of that relationship, people I'm dating, and then their partners, I think because because it's so far removed, it doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't almost like I don't have an opinion on it yet. So that's interesting because yeah, it, my partner I've been with, my husband I've been with for you know going on seven years. We've been married for one, and so whoever they are going to be with is going to be part of my life. It's going to be affecting my life and it's going to probably like, I'm going to be there with them. I'm going to see them. So when I think about other partners, partners, they don't in my mind. And especially at this moment where it's all hypothetical, I don't see them as ever necessarily needing to be part of my life. 
Right. I mean, I think it is a different quality Mm -hmm. and that when you are married or have a nesting partner, the need for other people who are, you know, potentially going to be in your home, who are going to be connected to a person that is that intimately part of your life and that sort of embedded in your life, it is I think potentially a little bit different from when it is a relationship that is slightly more removed or maybe removable from the day-to-dayness. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that's inherently true, but it does seem sort of structurally likely. Yes. Yeah. Right, because I could become, uh, and I'm very open to having a very serious uh, long-term relationship with someone in which case, maybe their metamor would be a, a much more important part of my life or important aspect to the relationship. Um, and currently, most of the people that I date are married. Um, I, I prefer dating polyamorous people just because it's, it is easier. Uh, dating monogamous people is, unfortunately, uh, quite the struggle that I have found because oftentimes... They want to be monogamous, <laughs> and that, and that's, which is fair. Yeah, I mean, totally you fair, one hundred percent. I get it, uh, but it makes it very difficult when I am poly, and that's my, that is the identity, uh, my identity, and it won't change. Uh, so I date other married folks, and I have found that to be the easiest, easiest. I don't know, the best um, relationship structure for myself, and sometimes especially if they're like a member of the poly community, sometimes I know their partner and sometimes it is very strategic that I don't know their partner for a while. Um, and I have found that is it is the most successful when I do know their partner. And it is the most successful when I even have a, a friendship or a relationship with that partner in which I can talk to them if I need to, or um, we have open lines of communication. When I don't even know their partner's name uh, or anything about them, I find that there tends to end up being um, conversations I'm not a part of that probably usually end the relationship because there's so many things that, well, it just, they don't know me. And they don't know if I'm a good person. They don't know if I'm uh, uh, trying to destroy their relationship. Like, they just don't know me. Uh, So I think that a a lot of things get unsaid or or miscommunicated and uh it doesn't and it just often doesn't work out well but when i know my metamors um i feel like it it helps a lot for me it's not it's definitely not like a a deal breaker but i in my experience i found it's much better if i know and i'm friends with my metamor i think that makes a lot of sense yeah in my very first relationship i wasn't close to my metamor until she expressed an interest in learning to knit and then I taught her how to knit and we were knitting constantly together and we became better friends than me and her husband, like for sure. And we still are friends to this day and I haven't been in a relationship with him for years. So, um, so that was really, it's a really beneficial and I value that relationship a lot and I wouldn't, I would never have had that relationship unless I was open to being friends with my metamor. So now I feel like it's always going to be to my advantage and as a person, as well as to the relationship's advantage, if I'm if I'm on friendly terms with my metamor. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I think an, another variable on that might be if uh, the metamor relationship is non-local. I mean, we've been talking about sort of kitchen table ideas, and mm-hmm. obviously if you're dating someone who is local then and married, then that's 
going to affect your day-to-day life in Mm -hmm. a more substantial way. Thinking about... um, the, one of the people that I have been seeing recently has uh, several online relationships where, you know, they live in far-flung parts of the world. And, um, you know, I, I have no, I feel no need to meet or connect with those people. I mean, I'm interested in them and I'm interested in, um, you know, hearing what he wants to share about his relationships with them. But it does not feel the same to me as a metamor who I might be able to hang out with, knit with, yeah. go have coffee with, drive to mm-hmm. Chicago with. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I guess I haven't dated many people who have had online relationships or long-distance relationships, but I could see that, like, out of sight, out of mind being the case because, yeah, if, if, if they just have a, an, an online-only relationship or someone that might be, like, a comet that mm-hmm. comes into your life... Uh, is a short, intense relationship and then floats out of your life and comes back in every so often, um, I could see that not having any negative or positive effect on the relationship, so maybe not ever have to worry about it. I don't know. Or You know, it's actually interesting that you you mentioned that, because I actually, I do have a comment, and I didn't even remember to bring that up when we were talking about sort of where are you and what are you, what's your... um, status currently Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it is because it's such a little bubble Mm -hmm. and you know it's a wonderful bubble and I value it very much but the most that we're likely to see each other is maybe three or four times a year Mm -hmm. and probably not that often more likely twice a year and you know it just I mean I don't object to the idea of them meeting my partner or other people in my life but the chances of that being a priority in the random weekend that we get to spend together, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you really only get to see somebody twice a year, are you going to want to share all of your time right. with... Right, right, right. And I'm already sharing time with them under those circumstances because they have other people in their lives yes. who are part of why they are able to visit. And so, um, yeah, it's... It, I don't. I don't consider that metamor relationship to be of consequence in the same way so is there anything else on metamors that you would like to cover especially for people that are maybe entering into a first polyamorous relationship or or just thinking about opening up the relationship maybe some advice for people who have never had a metamor before I mean, I think it's probably the same kind of advice that I would give anybody who is exploring poly or any kind of ethical non-monogamy opening up of a relationship, which is you have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And having conversations that seem like they might be uncomfortable at first is there's all, the only way out is through. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, you should meet potential metamors you know, whether you think that this idea seems like a great idea or not, the worst thing that can happen is that you can be right and it's uncomfortable (laughs) and you don't like it and you would prefer to have limited interaction. But if that was already what you were afraid of, then okay, great. You've Mm -hmm. confirmed that you were right, but you might get lucky and it's better than that. And you might get really lucky and you might develop a friendship like you have had and I have had. Mm-hmm. I mean, my friendship preexisted, or predates the relationship. Mm-hmm. But but I think it's actually, it has in some ways become closer. Sure, I imagine. 
Alright, so that is it from us at Polyamory and Censor. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. And we, we love, love you. you. Bye! Bye.